What episode is this, do you know? 11? 11. Can you test again? Testing one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Ready when you are. Okay, this is episode 11 of OG Sun. This is Warren Furutani talking with Say Furutani. Sort of a, a dual multi-generational view of what's going on in politics. Uh, I'm going to start off today and set the tone in terms of context. It's March 1st, Sunday, so a day after the South Carolina big win for Joe Biden. And already since that win, Tom Steyer has dropped out of the race. And today, actually not too long ago, uh, Mayor Pete from uh, South Bend, uh, Buddha Judge, has dropped out of the race. Uh, interesting that he did so well, and I think a good sign for uh, the Democratic Party, but America in general, that they were relatively comfortable with a gay candidate for president. And uh, Pete didn't hide that at all. And I think it was important to show the kind of diversity that is a part of the Democratic primary process. But the willowing down process is underway. And after Tuesday, Super Tuesday, there'll be a lot of other folks that definitely will be dropping out. It'll start going toward a two-person race. I think, uh, interestingly, as we look at these two individuals, one is 77 and one is 78. And uh, that's interesting that the Democratic Party that touts being so diverse uh, is going to end up having two white males, not only white males, but old white males. And I can say this because I'm 72 going on 73 and uh, thus the name OG, uh, original gangsters and Bernie Sanders definitely is, and uh, Joe Biden definitely is. But it's going to take a little bit more before it gets willowed down to the two. But I wanted to sort of reverse roles and have looked at all the different candidates, at least in the last couple of weeks, that have been on the ballot, either in a caucus or in a primary, and some of the key policy ideas they've been putting forward and ask uh, my number one son here what he thinks about it and also what maybe his peers think about and what they talk about. So I have some from, of course, Bernie Sanders, from uh, Elizabeth Warren, from uh, Mayor Pete, and uh, some other things that I want to throw out there just to get some feedback. But say, let's start with just looking at some of the issues that are really coming to the fore. Uh, one of them is this whole term socialism. Uh, I just published a column in the Rafu Shimpo, a Japanese-American newspaper called Red Baiting, uh, an old term used in politics where people would try to associate an individual with the term socialism or communism or the proverbial Red Scare uh, after the Soviet Revolution during uh, right after World War One, and then during the Depression era, and then more recently during the Senator McCarthy era. But socialism has played a role in politics internationally and repeatedly rears its head at different times nationally in the United States. So people are saying socialism means certain things. 
Bernie has clearly defined himself as a democratic socialist. Uh, both Democrat, the term Democrat and socialist are lowercase d and s. So he's not saying the Democratic Party or democracy from the standpoint of this being a democratic country or old style socialism. He's more referring to what you call social democracy in certain European and Scandinavian countries. That's another contextual thing. But when you hear the term socialism or your friends talk about it, what do you think it means? I mean, I think what what I think now is, is definitely, I mean, we go back to one, I forgot what episode it was where we talked about the difference between uh, communist socialism versus a democratic socialism. Um, you know, so I think for me, it, it definitely is not the um, perception of what is portrayed through the red baiting and people get scared about the, you know, distribution of wealth and, um, uh, you know, taking from the rich and nobody can make, we're going to get rid of our capitalistic society. And um, I think for me, when I look at it is, it's a way, it is, there is some redistribution, redistribution of wealth right and i think it's it's making sure that everybody has access to whether it's health care um whether we're talking about social services um efforts along those along those lines and those principles i think is where 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 it takes me um do you feel you have a knee-jerk reaction to the term socialism i mean i don't I think because I, I've I've really pivoted to a, or taken myself to a place where I don't I I refuse to get triggered. I mean everything on the left and right is is about triggering people. I mean people we know that we're close to they just get triggered like you know on the, the littlest things and and it's just this knee jerk reactions like you said that and people just get lost. You don't get you don't you don't understand what the real issues are anymore. Right, and you're just like constantly reacting and and losing it, right? Just oh, I can't believe this, I can't believe that, and you just you, you lose track of what's really important. So when Bernie describes himself as a democratic socialist, does that fine tune the term for you, or does that mean anything more or more specifically? I mean, I th I think he definitely try it, to me. It, it, he's trying to um, differentiate himself from. Um, uh, communist socialism, right, and and the the, the extremes there, um, but it it is interesting. I mean, I think I think the challenge, and and we're we're seeing it, just like you just talked about with with uh, Buddha Judge going out with the the renewed momentum for um, Biden. Um, you know, it's really coming down. It's seeming like Bernie and Biden are, are you know, kind of like distancing themselves um, from the group. But it is interesting because there there is a I feel like what even what even democratic socialism, what, what happens with that is you you start risking the moderate vote and the middle just because it's seen as even if it's a it's a more conservative um, version of socialism. Well, when pushed, uh, when Bernie's pushed about defining democratic socialism, 
he talks about it in the terms of, of principles that you believe in and ideas and policies you want to implement. Mm -hmm. For example, the principle of uh, health care being a right uh, and should be health care for all, not just for those that can pay for it or those that can't pay for it don't get those kind of services. So the way he's talking about doing it programmatically, the principle is health care for all. It's a right, human right. But programmatically, what he's talking about is Medicare, because those of us, like myself and your mom, older than 65 can get Medicare. And he's talking about the Medicare system for everybody, a one-payer, everybody that is, it's all coming from one source, which is vis-a-vis -vis taxes to the government, that the government through Medicare provides the services. So, for example, with the issue of health care, what kind of health care do you have? And we have PPO. And you get there through work? Through work, yeah. So your PPO covers uh, Tracy and Harley? Mm -hmm, our family. And how much do you pay for it? I mean, we're... Percentage-wise, we how in, much yeah. do you pay and how much does your employer pay? 50-50? Is it a 50-50? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's changed a lot. I mean, we went, I mean, we were really good. We were, when I was worked for UCLA and, and, and Cal State Long Beach, right, in, in those systems. Um, and now that I've moved away to, to private companies, it's, it's becoming less and less, but um, it's still pretty solid. So what is your co-pays? When you go visit the doctor, just for regular doctors? Like 20 or 20. Okay. Something like that. Do you know how much is covered if you have a catastrophic illness or you end up in the hospital? How much of it's covered? Mm, we did know because we had to go through this last year when we switched over to the new one. I mean, that type of stuff, I mean, in all honesty, like we don't, I mean, we pay attention to you at the time, but um, it's not like you have a lot of options. Well, also because you're young and healthy. True. It doesn't get put four square in front of you as a primary concern. So in terms of this issue of healthcare as a principle, mm. do you think everybody should have it as a right? 100%. Okay. I think I think everybody should have it as a right. I mean, you're you're kind of an asshole if you think that people shouldn't have, you know, like those types of services available to them, right? Like but where it gets paid for and how it gets paid for and all that is is a different thing. But I mean, I think, you know, in concept, yeah, everybody should have 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 that right of, of health care for all. Um, I think for us, right, we like having options um, because we're 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 lucky enough to be able to, you know, be in a situation where we can weigh those options out. Right. But at the same time, like I'm not I'm not the type of person that's going to, you know, put my, you know, like we the greater good, right, is like we want to make sure that everybody's taken care of and all that stuff, so. Do you think that undocumented immigrants or what others call illegal aliens here in this country, do you think they should be covered for health care? I think they're, they should be, I don't know what it would look like and what all the detail, I mean, I mean, there's so many, like, what's covered under that. But I, I kind of like, 
to me, I, I put myself, well, if I was an undocumented in another country and that something happened to me, like, what would I expect? Or what I would, what would I hope for from, from that government and, and from that, that system? And yeah, I would hope that there would be something that would, that would at least get me base, base coverage or, you know, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know the, 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 like what it would look like, but I think there, there needs to be some type of system that covers them. And the reality, to a certain degree, it depends on what state you're in, but a lot of people are getting the health care taken care of at the emergency room. Right. Because they can't be turned away. Right. And the issue, for example, of the concern about this potential pandemic with the coronavirus, uh, people in this country from other countries, uh, whatever kind of public health system they might be coming from, it would make sense that they have health care here so they're not sick here. And then, uh, so th there's arguments on both sides, needless to say, but so you're saying just in terms of a basic right, people should have health care. Absolutely. I, th I think so. And I, but I think, you know, how it gets divvied up and what levels people are covered for and all that is definitely, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of details in, in, in there, but, um, I don't, I don't know to me, like it's to not say that is, is against, um, you know, as what, how we've been built as a country of a country of immigrants and a country of just diversity and people coming here and, and making, making the country the, what it is now. Um, do you know any people that you would think they would have a contrary opinion? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. How about your friends? Do they mention it or, um, I mean, I don't, Nobody, I don't know if anybody said that they're, you know, anti-Medicare um, for all. I think there's there's definitely concern about how we're paying for it, right? I think that's, for us, I, you know, I just us as in, like, our, my peers, my group of friends, I think that is the concern, right? Like, how are we paying for it? Is that realistic? Is that sustainable? Um, and is that the smart way to go about it, right? Well, in that issue of how to pay for it. Bernie Sanders has mentioned that ultimately there would be probably increase of taxes, but when you balance it out compared to the less cost for healthcare, that you would ultimately balance out in the plus mm -hmm. rather than be more of a, a burden on the taxpayer. But in that issue of how to pay for it, Elizabeth Warren has a policy idea she's put on the table called the wealth tax. And it's about basically taxing the, the super rich, mm -hmm. the uber rich. And Bernie's talked about it from the standpoint of uh, uh, taxes on uh, transactions on Wall Street. This is to pay for some other programs as well. But the question of how to pay for it. What do you think about the issue and the driving principle is fair share? People should pay their fair share. What do you think about Amazon and Bezos not paying any federal income tax? Yeah, I think it's garbage. I mean, I think, and it's not just it's not just Amazon, and and this is not something that's new, right? Like I think big business for for decades, and you know, as far back as we can think have been finding those loopholes and 
figuring out how to leverage their, you know, whatever they do, their production, their influence, their, um, their position in society to get away from that. And, you know, there, there are some, you know, some of their arguments does have, have weight, you know, it allows them to build a better product, offer better service, whatever it is, right? Like there, there's, there's some validity to that. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't make sense at all to think that I'm paying more ta- federal taxes than Amazon is as a single person percentage wise right so you know I, I think with I think that I get it right like we there there needs to be, I mean we see it with companies um, moving state to state right we saw it with Tor- with uh, with uh, Toyota moving out of Torrance we see it all the time. Um, you see it when I, I went, I visited our office in Fort Worth, Texas and all the, all the tech companies that all the big businesses that are, that are out there now and because, right, because of the tax implications of, of where they're located. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is like, it's an easy, it's, it's definitely, a, it's an easy target, right. To go after Amazon and they're, you know, they're, they're what they're paying from a tax perspective perspective, but for for all this to work everybody's got to contribute right and we're not just talking about we're just not not just going after the the uber wealthy they, they are gonna they need to kick in more but then we're also everybody's gonna take a hit no matter what whether it's monetarily wise what whatever it is right it's as a collective we're trying to make our our society and our and our, our country better and everybody's contributing and as everybody contributes then it'll make our you know we'll all keep benefiting from that as, as we, we build everybody up. But, um, well, you just used a very socialistic term collective, mm-hmm. the whole. Mm-hmm. And so what you're talking about is fairness. Yeah. Let's just be fair. No one's to be gouged. Right. But let's be fair. So if you look at democratic socialism, talking about the adjective is democracy and actually it's more than an adjective. It's a noun. Uh, because it describes a system that's based upon people voting or the majority of the people agreeing to do something. And in a republic like the United States is, we're not a pure democracy, we're a republic. That means that we elect people to represent us and then they vote on our behalf. So fairness, so as long as there's a sense of fairness about it, you think having the rich pay their fair share and how you determine that of course is questionable and debatable and how to determine that but so that's not to, that's not off of your radar in terms of what Bernie or Elizabeth Morton say no but i mean in all fairness it's easy for me to say because i'm not one of those people right um i get i get what they're talking about right if i put myself in their shoes like i'm like oh like I've worked hard to get where I'm at. There's, there's definitely, you know, reasons why th- it makes sense for them not to pay whatever their fair share is. But at the same time, like, you know, I think it's, I think the greater good is, is something that we all always have to keep in mind, you know, and it's not like overpowers, like, you know, it's not, it's not, we're not going to Cuba. We're not, you know, and like, we're, we're not 
going to those extremes. But at the same time, like, yeah, like your fair share. Like, I don't think anybody if and that's a that's something uh, you're what what is fair is like you said, is is different for who you're talking to and, and all that. But I don't think anybody you would say like, hey, do you, is it off base for you to pay your fair share or you to contribute your fair share? Well, one of the basic principles of socialism with a capital S is the issue of owning the means of production mm -hmm. and the issue of profit and surplus labor that generates the profit. So what Bernie is saying, and uh, those of us that view the economic system of socialism, that the wealth that these people have garnered has been based upon paying a wage to the workers that develop and actually produce the wealth, a wage that's less than the profit they're making on that wealth. It's the, the classic example was always, you know, how long an auto worker had to work on an assembly mm -hmm. line to make enough money to buy the car that he's building. So with this, then we've talked about the issue of the principle of uh, healthcare is a right. Now we've talked the principle of fair share. In both cases, the how and programmatically what it would look like is debatable, definitely debatable. How about the issue of uh, college tuition for public universities and colleges being free? What do you think of that? You're a product of, of a university, public university and a public state college. Yep. I'm all for heavy investment in education, especially of our our young people. I mean, I, I don't. We have to be willing to overinvest in the development of our our future generations to make their lives better, to make our old you know our lives better as we get older. Um, so I I mean I I think. I think free tuition, like I like how um, it's not about free, but I like how like certain states, you know, you get, if you're in the top what percentile, you get guaranteed admission to one of the state colleges or, or one of the UC, you know, universities right. or something like That's that. Right. Um, as long as there's room. Right. Which is a whole nother thing. Um, I don't know, like, so the, yes, I'd love, you know, I'm all for investment in it. Free is an interesting thing when it comes to, to, to college, because I think one challenge, one of the things that like keeps you going in college is that, you know, you're paying for it when you, if you have, if you have, if you're not paying for your tuition, there's going to be an association with what you're doing. There's going to be that you don't have that like, well, if I don't pass these classes, it's not that huge of a deal because I'm not paying for it, right? Um, so I think there's a little something there that I don't know how to navigate when it comes to free tuition. Um, the one thing that I'm very sensitive about is the amount of debt, though, that, that people have now for, for college, um, for a lot of degrees. 
I mean, and it's another whole nother topic, but you know, you get degrees from some of these research schools, one, one of that I went to and we're not, they're not teaching, you know, skills that are being used in, in the workforce. These are research-based facility, you know, organizations that are having you write 25 page papers on, you know, thesis of whatever, but has nothing to do with what you're going to do in, in the workforce. So, um, you know, the, the debt, the debt is, is a huge issue. Um, so I don't know, I, but I, I, I like the investment of it. I don't know about free though. Well, that brings us to the question again, as the first two have already brought in the question of how then do you pay for it? If you yeah. want to invest, where's that money going to come from right. to invest in it? <clears throat> It'll be in the form of taxes, right? I mean, if you're not going to pay tuition, so the students aren't paying for it, and that's just tuitions. We're not talking about all the other associated housing costs, yeah. housing, books, materials, those kind of things. Well, USC just came out, right, with um, if your family's income is under $80,000 or something like that, you get free tuition. Um, but I think the, the issue that came up, though, was that a lot of people are already getting free tuition through uh, Cal per, I don't know, through grants. the grants and things sure. like that, right? The reason why they can't afford to go to USC and is because is because they have to pay for housing, books, all that other stuff. Um, so that that was an interesting um, article that I read about that. Well, you know, when I was in the state assembly, I was on the committee that was the 50-year committee, I think it was the 50-year committee of uh, Governor Pat Brown establishing the UC system and the conditions under which the UC system and the CSU, the higher education system, was established, community college, state college, then the university. And there was two characteristics that it started with, which was one, it was free, and two, uh, the qualifications to get in, if you qualified, you, you got in. You, you were guaranteed a seat, uh, both of which no longer exist. So we're only talking about one generation where tuition was free. And a lot of the wealth in the Golden State, California, was based upon the fact that we had the best higher education system of any state in the union. And I remember there was a time when I was of college age where, for example, in New York, anybody could go to a New York university. There was no qualifications. Mm -hmm. And now you can go to a community college in California and the first year is free, but there's certain conditions. You have to be a full-time student. And so it's not just like you can just keep going to school for as long as you want. You have to finish with a certain number of units per semester and per year. And you have to keep matriculating on in terms of going forward. So, But what happens if you don't? Then, you then don't. you're not being covered then. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. if you're just going to be part-time or... See, I, I mean, I think that resolves some of the, like my concerns about free is the accountability, right, right. Of, of, of having to keep moving forward. Um, that, that definitely makes sense. And the issue of student debt, do you agree with Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, both of them said, to eliminate student debt? 
for every student, no matter if you're rich or poor. Or... People, it, it's 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 a very interesting thing because when you bring that up, people get pretty salty about it, right? Because people are like like I have no I have no I paid off my debt, right? And and you guys helped help me pay for that, um, you know. And you have to it's a pain in the ass to 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 pay it off. Um, so I think there's part of people where like, well, hold on, right? Like I I I grinded to, to pay off mine for conceivably some people that maybe didn't grind as much to get theirs paid for there's a feeling of unfairness there okay back to fair right um i don't know i i think it's such a hard thing but when i look at a lot like i forget what the percentages are but the amount of debt that is based out of these like bullshit private colleges out of like a, a office building somewhere mm-hmm. is a is a good chunk of of the overall debt i think that's what i've read and you know that type of stuff is like dude get out i mean that those people are those people are just trying to make it happen i mean they're they're not in the mainstream right and These then they proprietary schools yeah schools, well and the people that are trying to get into that right yeah. are not yeah. they're not you know are prime students that are in the mainstream system and and just like kind of screwed up, right? It's people that are maybe didn't have the grades to get in, um, had to start working right away, trying to get their education on the side. Saw a commercial, something like that, right? They were at home during the day, and right? They didn't have a job. I mean, yeah, no, I mean it's, I mean that type of stuff. When, when I see that, that's a vast majority. And you know that's why I get I get really you know pissed off when I you know the you know, Betsy DeVos and you know running our you know running the education system in the country like I get the ch- I I understand there's merits behind the charter stuff but the whole there's a lot of backing behind these you know just they're they're frivolous frivolous education institutions that are just made to make money they're not made to educate people. Um, and if that makes up a good chunk of, of where our debt is, then I'm good with it. I'm good. Well, look. Okay, so on this issue of eliminating student debt, uh, it's up in the air. Right. I was thinking it's an alternative uh, to be able to use the interest, just like the interest on your house payment, mm-hmm. be deductible from your taxes. Just your interest. Which makes sense, because when you look at it, you're like, I mean, just like any any loan that you take, right? You're digging a, digging a double hole. Yeah. Um, you spend a lot of time just paying off the interest. Right. The principal. One, and with, the, with your house, at least you're like building towards something. I mean, with your, with your student loan, you're already done. I mean, you're out of school. Like, if you have a job, you have a job. Um, that makes sense. Who, who does it, I mean, obviously there's fiscal implications, but who does it hurt if we if we just just knock all that stuff off the books? Well, it'll be financial institutions. You know, how, how, do, they, how do they balance their books? But you know what? <clears throat> In the last, over the last, like, I don't know, five to ten years of when I had, when I was paying off student loans, it was almost... Every quarter, I got a a uh, piece of mail from a new lender yeah. 
hey, we purchased your loan from so-and-so. They're, they're just buying, it's these, these lending institutions that are just consolidating all this debt, right? And, and they know, <clears throat> and it's just good business. So if if it doesn't screw over the UC system, then I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it, it's not the UC system. It's not the colleges or the university themselves. Right. It's the institutions. And it's just like the issue around uh, mortgages. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all the different institutions that were buying up all the loans and sub Subprime them. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but the other argument is that, you know, the government bailed out Wall Street right. in 2008, and they bailed out the auto companies when they were having financial trouble, and no one bailed out the people that lost their mortgages or lost their retirement accounts. And uh, okay, so more debate on that. You know, um, what do you think about? I just saw Mayor Pete and his husband. Mm-hmm. His husband introduced it, and they're unabashed and unapologetic about them being gay and a gay couple. What do you think, and why do you think he did so well so long in the presidential run? What what do you think it's a reflection of? This is just my opinion and my perception, but Mayor Pete doesn't come off as gay. He's a... He's a uh, he's a former military man, yeah, he's a, a, a marine maybe. I don't know. He is. He's not. Um, he's not flaming, right? He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't flaunt it. He's not rolling around with a, uh, a rainbow flag pin on his mm-hmm. lapel. Um, and. It, he doesn't look like it as 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 weird or as bad as that sounds right as as um you know he's just not he, he's not he wears a straight suit he it's not it's not there's no flair there right like he just and again this is just my perception of what i've seen of him and what i've seen out there and all that and so i don't think it doesn't jar people as much as it wasn't in your face yeah i mean or do you think that people are, the LGBTQ movement has really made strides and people have become more comfortable with it. It's more mainstream. It's in everybody's family. It's acceptable. It's, is it a sign of that? You know what Rush Limbaugh said, right? Yeah. He said he can't wait to see what Trump will do with Somebody that goes up on stage and kisses his husband on the lips, which is bullshit. That like that guy, it just it just makes it it just makes it just how how outrageous that that guy got a medal of medal of freedom. Um, side note, no, I think there has been progress in with with soci- our society's acceptance of the LGBTQ plus community, but there's something about I feel like Barack got more shit for being black or mixed race than Mayor Pete got for being gay. And I think it's because people can't see it. People look at Barack and they see it. Hmm. They look at Mayor Pete, they don't see it. 
and it's not readily evident, right? And more power to them. Like, I, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think we've made progress, but it wasn't on the forefront. It wasn't on the forefront. And I think he, he was also, he was, he was on the periphery, like as, as well as he did in the first, you know, number of, for as long as he stayed in. Well, plus the money he raised. I mean, you think about it. He was in the race as a mayor of a small, medium-sized city. He was in there longer than Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. Cory Booker. I, I, don't, I don't know. And again, like... My knowledge of everybody's platform is very, you know, I'm not the deepest in it. I don't feel like he ran on that. As he no. should, I mean, as he shouldn't. It's part of his profile, but, you know, whereas Barack was the first, I mean, everybody called him the first black president. Hillary ran as, as to be the first woman president. I don't think... Buttigieg was running as the first gay president. And I think your observation is on target because I think it's a basic in campaigning. You know, Barack, it was just like you said, you could see it. But he didn't he didn't put it in your face. Right, right, right. You know, <clears throat> uh, Barack was noted for being the one to talk about purple, red and blue coming together for purple states. Hillary... As things got tougher, you know, I think she started to play the card more, but she was trying to downplay the fact that she's the first woman. I mean, that was undeniable. Uh, Pete Buttigieg also, a part of his narrative was that uh, Bernie and Joe, Bernie in terms of being the ideologue and uh, having purity tests, uh, that was one of the issues of attack. And then Joe, uh, it was just sort of more flaunting the whole thing about they're too old. What do you think about 77 and 78 year olds potentially going head to head for the Democratic standard bearer? What do you think that means? Are they too old? I mean, I don't think anybody's too old, but I think it I think all it is what it is, right? It's what we got. But I think it does say something about but I mean you look at the look at the rest of the group though. Yeah, the, the that's who's kind of risen to the top in this cycle. But look at the rest. Kamala is young, Andrew Yang is young, Buddha Judge is young, Cory Booker is young. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have they're good. They're really young. They're not like Buttigieg age young. Yeah, yeah, but 50s. I mean, you know, they're not seventies, right? I think. I mean, it is a little alarming. I mean, I, I, my my historicals for for you know presidents isn't that great. So I don't know, typically how old people are when they get elected. But yeah, because the, the thing to me is, I saw for Barack. When you see that picture of when his headshot when he went in, and his headshot eight years later when he got out, I heard that. holy shit, he aged thirty years. <laughs> I heard that. that's, it's that's brutal. Sure. It's brutal, right? And and so I mean, you know, obviously we're not fans of of Trump's, but it's got to be brutal on him. 
if he didn't have if he wasn't so psycho and just an egomaniac, he'd be hurt he'd be hurting way more than he is now. Because it's tough. It's a tough job. Um the thing the, the one thing though where where it balances out for me is experience matters when it comes to being the president of the leader of the free world. Um you can't just I mean they talked about on 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 Twitter, uh, Secretary of State was trending today. And that was... What do you mean, Secretary of State? So on Twitter, um, they have a trending section, and it takes either topics or words that, um, that are being um, commonly used at that time, either at the, at, the, at the city level. You can also be trending at the... Um, uh, global level and Secretary of State was trending and it was because people were saying that Buttigieg should be Secretary of State but it was interesting because there was a lot of there's pushback too it was like this guy didn't That's the last thing he should be. right <laughs> right um, because Secretary of State is is our champion of foreign affairs and right like so back to back to experience like i think that matters so i i'm okay with somebody you know being older right i'm okay with somebody being long and a little long in the tooth because they've been through it they've seen it they've we need stability we need somebody that's been there and can can react appropriately to all types of situations so so with that description that just came out of your mouth do you look at bernie and joe biden evenly they both have could fill the bill of Fulfilling your experience for sure, for sure. Although I look at Bernie, I'm like, man, Bernie looks old as hell. Um, but that's all just surface stuff. He's got energy for days. Um, well, if you remember the first episode we did of Ojisan, mm. I talked about the importance of the vice presidential pick mm -hmm. and that it'll be a team. I, I think that's going to be really big. Whoever becomes the standard bearer is going to be really big who the vice president is and who makes up the ticket. Because you think four years, they're going to be 82, 81, eight years. <laughs> well, the other thing that was trending was um, Biden-Harris. That was the other thing that was trending. Remember, that's the prediction I made in the very first episode. Biden-Harris. Makes sense, because originally I thought that um, uh, Stacey Adams was being, was being groomed for... But, but her... But Kamala has a better national profile. She just has... She's more of a bulldog, too, right? Like, you need that. I mean, I don't know if you need that, but... Joe's just like easygoing Joe. You need somebody that's kind of a, I think you need somebody that's kind of a, an edge on the, uh, to back them up. Well, what if it's Bernie Elizabeth Horn, the ticket? I think that would be tough. I think with, if it, if it was either Bernie or, or Warren, that was, that was the, the nominee. I think you need to balance it out a little bit for them. Okay, let me ask you that. You <clears throat> voted for Andrew Yang. 
before, right before, almost the day right, before yeah, yeah. he, he That's dropped good timing. out. So your candidate's not in the race. You've already voted, so you can't vote again. But um, that's an issue we should talk about maybe someday. What happens when they drop out? Anyway, if you had your druthers, who would you endorse now? Who would you vote for now with Andrew Yang out of the picture? That's a great question. Um, and it, and it, and it's only, I mean, it's really um, taken an uptick over the weekend with South Carolina. Because if Biden didn't get South Carolina, I think he was he was dead dead in the water. And the way that he did it, pretty resoundingly, apparently. Um, and then you'd couple that with the pushback from from some establishment around Bernie's candidacy, and it made me think. And and I was like, oh, this is great timing that we're gonna have this pod. Because to me, what we get lost in, and as as like hardcore or is the GOP along certain lines, and you could see that as ideological. I think Democrats are way more ideological, and we get caught up in all these issues and all these like passion projects, and. In the end, we're gonna lose because we're not about winning. And I think right now, the most important thing is about winning. It's that's it's not always like that, but I think with this with this election, it's all about winning. And I think that's something that Trump and his crew are really good at is about winning. All they think about is like, how do I win the day? How do I win this argument? How do I win? They don't, they have, I mean, given they have no morals and no ethics about anything. Except winning. But they win, they, all they want to do is win. And in the end, in November, November is all about winning. It's not about like it's our turn to get the progressive movement going or it's not about the freaking Green Party and them stealing, not stealing, that's a bad word, but them taking up votes away. And where are they taking it from? They're not taking it from. It's about winning. And so when I think about that, I'm like, for for us to to nominate to to get a Democratic president elected in November, we need, not only, obviously, we need great turnout from, from, the, from the Democratic side, but we need to dip in heavy into the, to the middle. And that middle is, is up for grabs, because I think there's a lot of people that, that are moderate, that are like conservative, but, you know, not far, far right. Okay, you're equivocating now. Just who are you going to endorse? Well, I I think you got to go with Biden. Okay, <laughs> that's a long, long, but but it but it was but that was the thought process that I went through this weekend, right? It was like, and I came to this like epiphany. I was like, I was like, okay, now he has the momentum. Like, 
now that we see like this pushback from establishment and and i think a lot of that pushback is is also bullshit right from there's a lot of people in established um democratic infrastructure that do not should not be there anymore i think there's a lot of just like just old stale thinking that is not moving us forward that is not progressive in what in what the party needs to be um but like i think biden gives us the best chance to not only win the white house but also to win all those other elections too that are equally important because things like and you brought it up long time ago was i mean look at the 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 effect of trump and how and 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 power is going to be seen in the courts for decades now that's nothing we can change but um yeah i, I think that's something that can that 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 i figured out this weekend was like biden gives us the best chance to win the <clears throat> dilemma you're describing with the ultimate epiphany I think is a microcosm of what's going on in the Democratic Party. When people talk about ideas and principles, they pretty much align with Bernie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at what Bernie says and spin stuff I've been talking about in one form or another for 50 years too. Um, from that same old school. And then the issue of confronting how do we win. Uh, that's going to be the case that needs to be made. Like come Tuesday. There's, a, there's another underpinning of uh, politics in the Democratic Party. I think that's playing itself out a bit. One, um, Tom Steyer went into South Carolina and tried to buy the black vote. Uh, Tom Steyer has a good reputation here in California and I'm sure in other states because mm -hmm. he's been active here right. a long time. I don't know how active he was in South Carolina, but $22 million compared to 700000 that Biden spent. He was trying to buy it. And I, I really take my hat off to the African-American community because that's what he was trying to buy the African-American vote, that people stood their ground in principles and, and they were loyal to Joe. But South Carolina is the older African-American community. They're much more conservative. But the thing that's playing out is when we get into Super Tuesday, California is going to be for Bernie. Texas, I believe, is going to be for Bernie. Massachusetts is going to be for Bernie, even though that's Elizabeth Warren's home state. The South is going to be a mix. A lot of it's going to go because of the African-American vote. And it's a much more moderate conservative vote uh, because the communities are longstanding, middle class, they have fought the fights for all of us in terms of civil rights. But it's interesting because Biden is going to be looked at as the black Democratic candidate, and Bernie is going to be looked at as the Latino candidate. Hmm. Because the Latino vote is going to carry the day for Biden. And I'm real interested to see the Asian vote, because there's twice as many Asians in California than there are African Americans. 
Did you know that? No, didn't. Yeah, twice as many. Now, I hope at least we get talked about. We're not a monolithic voting block like the African-American tends to be. Their voting block is a solid voting block. They vote, they come out. But it's going to be interesting how that plays out. So we're going to come out of Super Tuesday. Amy Kobuchar is going to drop out. Um, I don't think uh, Bloomfield's going to do well at all. So no. he'll drop out if he has any, unless it's such a, a ego project that he's doing. But I, I think he'll drop out. I think he'll get down to a two-man race. I don't know what Elizabeth Warren does. She may surprise people on Tuesday. But uh, it's getting closer and closer to a two-person race. And the very dilemma you described and what epiphany people have, because you know if endorsed, I, I'm with Bernie. Right. It's just going to be a situation where one, the number one thing we have to do is make sure that everybody's committed to supporting whoever wins. And that's why the process of the convention is going to be so important. If there's any sense that someone put their finger on the scale or the superdelegates, and Bernie's in a position where he negotiated these 500 superdelegates that'll vote on the second vote if no one wins the majority. So he can't say that the game is rigged because he helped put this new system in place, mm -hmm. which was totally out of kilter before, where the superdelegates could totally change the vote of the all of the primary process, caucus process. So that to me is the most important thing. Everybody's got to commit to not taking their ball and going home. And that means that everybody's got to commit to doing a fair, transparent process so that at the end of the day, winners and losers, people can sort of say, well, I left it all on the field. We did everything we could. Let's get about the business at hand, which is to be Donald Trump. But it's an interesting dilemma because the ideas that we've talked about tonight are what Bernie's pushing, what Elizabeth Warren's talking about. But when you get to the epiphany part, I, I mean, what if, what if Joe didn't do that well in South Carolina? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was definitely a turning point. I'm not sure yet. Tuesday's going to be the turning, turning point. point. Well, it was it was a we talk about do or die. No, they would definitely. I mean, that, he was yeah. he was he needs to. We talk about it in sports, you got to make a run. Yeah. He, he he needs to make a run, and but that was the first step in it. Yeah, it was, you're right. It was do or die for Joe Biden's campaign. Correct. But it isn't a turning point yet for mm. the whole overall mm. process. So, we need to have a, a sit down session after Tuesday. Mm -hmm to reassess what's going on. Uh, it may be hard to stop the Bernie train if he comes out of Super Tuesday just with so many delegates because people don't reach the threshold. I think that's why Pete Buttigieg dropped out today. He doesn't want to be blamed for Biden not being able to get what he needs mm. to get. Uh, I'm surprised Amy Kopachar is still in. She may very well drop out tomorrow. I doubt it. It's just going to be too late. The problem with California in particular is it's been early voting has been going on. Right. So the actual votes cast on 
Tuesday, it's going to be interesting to see who actually is left to vote that would have been impacted by the results of Saturday's South Carolina primary. Hmm. So anyway, this could bring this uh, episode to an end. Sunday after South Carolina, uh, Sunday and Monday before the first Super Tuesday, where one-third of the delegates are going to be distributed, and we'll see what the numbers look like and what remains to be done in terms of the remaining primaries. But then the issue becomes not only convention, but the issue becomes the swing states. And uh, just to, to put a finer point on it, the one thing Bernie is saying over and over is that there's been 70 national polls and 65 of them he has been shown to be able to beat Trump. So he's trying to make the case yeah. that he can win. Sounds good. All right. All right, we'll catch up in a few days. Yep, yep.